What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Compile Swift podcast. I'm your host, Peter Wynnum. You can find this podcast at compileswift.com. In this episode, I'm going to cover a few different topics. It's kind of a newsy one this week and a bit of a catch-up. All right, so now that I've finally got stable internet back, it has caused me no end of trouble, uh, but it's finally back and finally stable, so apologies for missing a few sort of regular issues of the podcast here, but hopefully everything's back to normal. It's very difficult. You can only do so much stuff over a hotspot before, you know, you need that home internet back again with a nice chunky bandwidth. Anyway, let's go ahead and get into the topics here. So I've been hanging out on GitHub this week. I needed some packages for some things and I come across a couple of interesting ones I want to share with you as the starting subjects here in this episode. The first one, and I'll put all the links in the show notes and you'll hopefully see them in the chapters for this podcast as well because there's just no point in me even trying to read out some of these URLs over the air on the podcast here. But the first one is called Periphery. And what it is, it's a command line tool that you can install, and it will attempt to go through your script code and identify code, unused code, basically, in your application or your code base. And I played around with this a little bit, and it worked out pretty good for me. It did a pretty good job. I sort of intentionally put some dead code in there to see if it would pick it up, and sure enough, it does. So, you know, I think it's worth playing around with. Again, it's called Periphery. You can install it via, you know, all the usuals, right? Homebrew, Swift Package Manager, CocoaPods, and then you just basically run the scan command. So on the terminal, you would just type, you'd go to your, you know, the code base folder, your Xcode project folder, whatever you want to call it, you just would type in periphery scan and uh, away it would go, right? Uh, there's, of course, plenty of options you can put in there, but the analysis goes through and it, it's good. It looks for quite a few different things and does its, like I say, does its best. And I found it works pretty good. So I think if you're looking for a way to try and help you identify dead code and clean up that code base, uh, that's a good one. You can also find a lot of these links in this week's Compile Swift newsletter as well. If you go to compileswift.com, forward slash newsletter you'll find them in there uh, you can sign up there if you want to or just go to the issues and find these links next up is an interesting package and something that is great for debugging i think and just checking the optimization of your code and it's a package called duration and it's a swift package and what you what it does is it's basically two commands in there right you can put in duration dot start measure and put a little you know, comment in there. And then the, after the code that you want to measure, the time for, you could just put duration dot stop measurement. Now, at first you may be thinking, well, why would I want that? It's actually a really good idea because you know, heavy functions, heavy calls, anything like that, or you think you've got some network issues, anything along those lines, think of this as like an internal timer for your code. And I think it's quite useful. I, I've played around with this again this week, and I was sort of testing it out on some different code that I have and things like that. And it can be quite eye-opening when you look and see how long some of your code takes to run. Like I say, you can actually specify the start and stop times for this. So it's not, you know, like, oh, how long does it take to run this function or something like that out of the box. You've got to start and stop this thing. But... It's fascinating when you there are certain parts of your code and you think, well, it doesn't run that long. You run the test with this duration package. You be, might be quite surprised how long some of them take. 
And it's a, a, you know, it's kind of a nice built-in way while you're working to just see how long some of those, you know, heavy code blocks that you have run as, along the way. So that's, you know, something you don't want it in production necessarily, and I'm not even sure yet. I can't figure out if it even gets removed in production, but certainly something you would benefit from having there in development, and you don't want to mess around with instruments and stuff like that. Next up, uh, there's a video out this week um, that I'm including here from uh, Megan Wilson, and uh, I will promote her live stream here. I love watching her live streams. You should check that out. Definitely fantastic. I'll put, again, I'll put a link in the show notes. But this video that she put out is basically running through the new features in Xcode 13. So for those of you who've not had the time to go through and you know discover the new tools or read the readmes on Xcode 13, this video is a great overview of a lot of the changes in there and things that I think you know, you will find useful on a regular usage basis within Xcode. So it's about a 10 minute video. You should definitely go and check this video out. Just bring yourself up to speed on some of those changes. You may find some things in there that'll improve your workflow and save you some trouble along with explaining some of the UI changes. So a great video there. Like I say, check out the live stream as well. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm gonna dive into some of my experiences with, you know, the new OS releases and the Xcode tools, and kind of where I'm at with how those are working out for me. Time for a break. Hey everybody, it's Peter Whittam here from the Compulsory Podcast. I'm going to tell you about SetApp. SetApp is a service that provides a subscription fee of just $10 a month, and you get access to over 200 Mac applications, and it's also available now on iOS as part of that deal. I use the service because it just has a ton of really good first-rate apps that I use all the time. And for me, it's invaluable as a developer to have access to tools for things like APIs, for planning projects, uh, writing emails, writing documentation. And you get all of these things, including database apps, all of that kind of stuff, right there on the SetApp service for just $10 a month. You can use as many or as few applications as you need. If you're interested in checking this out, go to peterwidham.com, P-E-T-E-R-W-I-T-H-A-M.com forward slash setapp, S-E-T-A-P-P, and you can see the details there, and it's got a link that you can go over and start using the service and see how it works out for you. I strongly recommend this to every Mac user. Break time over. Okay, so I've been living with iOS and iPad OS 15 this week, and of course Watch OS 8 and TV OS, and just want to share some thoughts on it. So firstly, TV OS and Watch OS, they're always kind of incremental updates, almost not noticeable for the most part. You know, we've got some nice new interfaces on the Watch. I've tried them out, but I've gone back to my old ones, the nice simple ones. That's just a personal preference for me. However, I did put this out there on Twitter for folks to feed, give me some feedback on this, and you can go to twitter.com forward slash compileswift, and you can find me there, and please follow and send me any messages you wish. Uh, but I put out the question, and I said, how many people have been clicking on those new Safari tabs thinking that they're URL bars to put a URL in? And sure enough, folks came back and said, yep, me too. And that's what I've been doing all week, even... Up until today, you know, Friday, uh, I knew it's like, okay, 
I know it's not a URL, but my brain keeps seeing that bar for the tab and thinking, hey, it's, it looks like the URL bar. So I click on it to put a URL in, and of course, nothing happens. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I got to be honest, it didn't really affect me that much during the betas. And, you know, even on macOS Monterey, and even in fact, right now with just Safari 15, it it's too annoying. It's ridiculous. It's a I'm surprised at Apple by this because it the 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 design and philosophy that's followed everything in my brain says this is a URL bar and it's not. And Apple, you really got to go back and address this because it's not the only I'm not the only one this is happening to and it's just it's almost a bit of a joke at this point. And I'll be honest, right now I've switched away from Safari from using it for the longest time. And even on my iPad, I've set up the Brave browser uh, that I use as my default browser on both the desktop and the iPad at this point, because these new tabs and, you know, having the URL uh, bar at the bottom on the iPhone, for example, it's just too annoying and too weird and disrupting to me. And I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go back to another browser that I use and trust and live with it until Apple realizes how stupid this was and changes it. So I just wanted to share that as a final note this week because I'm not the only one it's happening to. So uh, other than that, I got to say, you know, the iPad OS 15 and iOS 15, they're working okay for me. I still have some weirdness on some things and some crashes and some stuff that I reported during the testing period and I provided feedback. Those are still there. Let's hope that we get a lot of goodness coming out of the point one releases to fix these things. Now, as far as Xcode 13, I'm not using it that much right now because I'm deep in some projects and me and, you know, my fellow developers on my team, I just don't want to mess with Xcode 13 at this point for that in production code. Now, I am playing with it on my personal projects and on my machines. It's been okay. There's a few weird little things, but for the most part, it's working out pretty good. So I don't know when I'll be switching to using it for production code. I'd normally like to wait to a point one or point something release first, and we'll see how that goes. So that's kind of my update this week on where I'm at. Let me know what's happening with you with all these latest releases and what you think about them. Love to hear from you. Go to compileswift.com forward slash contact, or you can find CompileSwift on any of the social networks, you know, and reach out to me or leave a comment and, uh, you know, offer, offer a review on this podcast. I would love very much to hear what you're all experiencing with it, since I don't seem to be the only one having some of these issues. With that, that's it for this episode. I'm, again, I'm so glad to have my internet back. I do want to mention and say thank you to everybody that has rated this podcast in the reviews. I saw, I think it was last count, six five-star reviews. That's awesome. Thank you so much for doing that, everybody. Really appreciate it. It really helps give me a morale boost and the inspiration to carry on doing this podcast. Not that I think it's going to finish anytime soon. I, there's so much to talk about. Uh, this is going to be, you know, Swift's not going away anytime soon, and I'm not going to stop using it anytime soon. But I do want to say thank you to those of you that took the time and trouble. Uh, to everybody else, if you don't mind leaving a review or a rating, I'd really appreciate it. It really helps me out. Other than that, I will see you in the next episode and we'll leave it there.